So we began in our first session the discourse from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24, under the topic, the choice for Christian discipleship. I struggled whether or not to say the choices or the choice. But discipleship is a choice. And we lamented the condition of our culture being one that is filled with a overindulgence in material things, one that is characterized by people being more interested in their stuff than they are interested in God. We noted that Jesus' discourse was a part of the Sermon on the Mount and was geared, as it would seem, to address the matter of choosing discipleship, learnership with Christ. We said that if one is serious about trusting and serving God, there are three choices that one has to consider and make. The first of which we said that one has to choose to stop overvaluing or hoarding material goods in this life. And we defended the point by looking at Jesus' word, particularly that which we import from Luke 12, verse 15. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consists in the abundance of his possession. We noted that to put our trust in our possession and to pursue in a way that is almost idolatrous things really gives false hope since these things are transient. They are susceptible to destruction but that we should store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot steal. We want to now, we were challenged in so doing to realize that where our treasures are, our hearts are also. And it's very critical that we ensure that our hearts are in the right places, in the right place, by going after the right treasure. Question was asked then in application. What do we treasure? Do we know where our heart is anchored? And I believe that it is a, these are questions that we need to ponder at whatever stage of life we have found ourselves. As we look at the next point, I want to redirect you to the text, 
Matthew 6, verse 19 through to 24. Stop storing up treasures for yourselves upon the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and are stealing. Store up treasures for yourselves in heaven where neither the rust nor moth can destroy and where thieves are needy and are neither breaking in nor stealing. For where your treasures are, there shall your heart be also. Verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye is sincere, your whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body shall be darkness. If therefore the light in your in the, your light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. No one is able to serve two lords. For either the one he will hate or the other he will love or hold to one and despise the other. You are not able to serve God and mammon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second point that is seem to emerge from this text, this discourse on the Sermon on the Mount. And please remember that the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus' way of showing disciples how to live in this world, this, the kingdom of this world. In other words, disciples were called to be different to learn Christ, to live as Jesus did. And Jesus was outlining how the disciples respond to the challenges of various aspects of life. And here it was the issue of wealth. So on the one hand, we must stop hoarding, stop overvaluing things, stuff, riches. The second point then, the second choice, is that one has to choose to steady one's eyes on the main goal of life. Steady one's eyes on the main goal goal of life. The writer to the Hebrews reminds us that we should keep our eyes on Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. The one who started our faith and the one who completes our faith. Whatever we focus on becomes us. We become what we focus on. There are so many people focus on one thing and expect to become another thing. That is another delusion. First John verse 2 
First John chapter 2, verse 16 says, For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. There was a, a Sunday school song that I learned at a tender age. Watch your eyes, watch your eyes, what they see. For there is a father up above looking down in tender love. Watch your eyes, watch your eyes, what they see. Sounds simple, but it is profound because the eyes illuminate the body. The eyes give Give uh, light. Whatever comes into the body enters through what the eyes focuses on. And by the way, this is why pornography is so dangerous. It's so putrid. Because when you look at that filth, it contaminates the person. The eyes illuminates the body. The word translates here lamp, which is the euphemism for the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Means a light made by burning a wick saturated with oil contained in a relatively small vessel in their culture. So the lamp is the eye. The lamp, however, gives light. That's the intent. In essence, the eyes being the lamp gives illumination to the inner man. Whatever comes in, whatever uh, is ingested, whatever affects the inner man, shapes the inner man, directs the inner man, comes from what the eyes focuses on. The eyes focus on. If that is true, we ought better to be careful what we look at, what we focus on. And please remember and hold intention that Jesus is still talking about money. The trouble with materialism and greed is where our focus lies. We have a goal. And we pursue it. And those who believe in pop psychology of sorts will tell you, you have to see the goal and pursue it. There is some amount of spirituality there because Jesus says, when you pray, believe that you have received it and it shall be given. But at the same time, focusing on the wrong thing contaminates the body. What we look at and focus on determines the condition of our disposition. We cannot intend to focus on evil and expect to be good. 
Hello? It just does not work. And sometimes we wonder, why is it that we fail at our discipleship? We fail at our walk with Christ. We expect to focus on negativity. We expect to focus on bad things and have good things. It does not work like that. So that the condition of the eye determines the condition of the inner man. Then, if the eye is up loose, which means healthy, with the implication of sound or proper functioning, then the inner man will be filled with light. When the eye is healthy, when the eye is focused on that which is good, no wonder Paul says, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. Focus on these things. It is well lit, and hence it is sound and healthy. On the contrary, though, if the eye is porneros, and the figurative extension of this word is, is really evil, I think Jesus is playing on words here again. The word porneros is used. But many times they translate it as sick. If the eye is sick, then indeed, if it is disease, then the body will be diseased. If the eye is evil or sick, or the focus is evil or sick, then the inner man, and hence the body, will be scotenon, darkness. Not in darkness. Notice that. It is darkness itself. It is a character. It is a state of being. It is used to characterize lack of moral and spiritual perception. Unable to ascertain good from evil and able to find one's way in the real realm of life. What we often see is a facade and we must search to, to look deeper with the eyes, the spiritual eyes as it were, so that our inner man may be enriched. You know, advertisers know this. And this is why, to get you to buy things, what they do, they flash it before you six, seven, eight, ten times in a given time. And even if you are not interested, at some point you're going to say, oh, wow. What you become, what you focus on. So to get you to buy, they sell it to you over, over, and over again. And sometimes we have to learn how to bounce our eyes from the evil. We have to allow, 
not allow ourselves or attention to be captured by things that diseases our eyes and by extension disease our body in a moral sense. And if that which is in, is, that gives illumination in you is darkness, then we are darkness. If the eye which illuminates us sees evil, focuses on evil, is sick morally, then that is going to lead us into spiritual and even physical darkness and moral putridity. Be careful what we are focusing on. We must not allow our culture to train our thinking, to train our gaze, to train our focus on things that are not of Christ. But of this world. We must be heavenly minded. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Who is the author and finisher of our faith. There is the rationale that the trouble we have with violence. Particularly among youngsters. Shooting up the place. Has to do with the kind of focus that young people, for instance, have grand theft auto and other kinds of influences, movies that have uh, a heavy uh, care of violence. It is true. So can I ask, what is the status of the light in us? Is it dark? Is it darkness? What is it? Is it evil or sick? What is it that we are focusing on? What occupies your time? What are you watching? What are you reading? I encourage us that if we are going to be successful disciples, we have to keep our eyes on Christ. Even in a practical sense where we need to be proper stewards, manage our resources, we have to understand that Jesus takes precedence. And that we focus on him even though we are building wealth. Amen? So the, so the problem we are, we are having here in, in discipleship and money is not that money itself is bad. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Amen? So before somebody shoot me, when I say 
that the, Mer the American dream is really a delusion. What we are really saying is that we need to focus on heaven. And put, the, the, the songwriter says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Be careful what you look at. It will determine who you become, who we become. So that's the second choice. The, first, the third choice, then, is that one has to choose, then, whose slave one will become. In the first instance, one needs to choose to stop overvaluing stuff. Material things, because they're transient, they go away. They will leave you and you lose your soul. You gain the world and lose your soul. Second, watch what you choose to steady your eyes on the main goal of life, which is Christ. And not on things that contaminate us. And finally, choose whose slave you will become. He said, what do you mean, Pastor. Whose slave I would become? Look at the text. Verse 24. No one is able to serve two lords. No one is able to serve two lords. For either the one he will hate, or he will hate the one, and the other he will love, or to one or hold to one and despise the other. You are not able to serve God and mammon. All this time we thought Jesus eased up on the, the money argument. But that's not true. He is still on money. Because money can lead us in a path of regret. The love of money. Is the root of all evil. And I want to, I, I, when, during the break, I was pondering the message. And I told myself that I would make the point that this is not only chastising rich people. It is also challenging those who are among the poor who think getting rich is heaven. There are those who will give their right hand to have money and wealth and sell their very soul. So to do. Now what Jesus is here saying, we become a slave to that which we pursue or submit to. Hello? And this is, there is a, there is a little... Aha, uh -huh, in this part of the text. You see, one can only truly serve one master at a time. So here's another delusion. 
And this, maybe I need to rename this, the, 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 the sermon to the delusions in discipleship. Because, you see, we tend to think that we can hold the love of money in one hand and hold the commitment to Christ in the, in the other. It does not work. The two are mutually exclusive. So if you love money, ask yourselves, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? The word here, serve, is actually the word duleo. Duleo means to be a slave. So one cannot be a slave of two lords. That's what it is really saying. One cannot be a slave of two lords. One cannot serve two lords. For anything you submit to becomes your master. Here's the trouble. When we pursue money, greed becomes our master. Money becomes our master. And by the way, you're going to see that greed is not without personification. We come back to that. We are slaves to whom we obey or pursue or love or seek. In essence, if we decide to, see, to serve two masters, we're actually delusional. Sorry to tell you. Why? Jesus says, for either the one he will hate and the other he will love or hold to one and despise the other. The one you will hate, the one you will dislike, you, you cannot equally love two masters. Somebody is going to get jilted. Sorry to burst the bubble for you lover boys um, who think, oh, you know, I can have two girls, one in one and one in. It don't work. One is going to be primary. And one is going to be, and that is why the, 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 the pastor must be a husband of one wife. That's why monogamy is a Christian value. Amen. You're going to hate, you're going to dislike, you're going to have an aversion, an hostility. So when we decide to chase money, guess who is being hated? Jesus. So Jesus was warning this crowd, watch it. And, and he might have been talking to poor people who are thinking their, their, their salvation is having more. No, it is not. You're going to hate God and love money. What an exchange. The word that translates love there is agapao. It's really agapesi. We love. 
Love based on evaluation. And guess what? Here's our word. Choice. You're going to hate one and choose the other. A matter of will, of action, of decision. When you, you don't accidentally love money. When you love money, it's because you choose to love money. And in, in essence, choose to hate God. You say, Pastor, why are you saying that? Well, we'll come to that. For either he will hate one and love the other, or hold to one. The word there is antekomai, to join with and maintain loyalty to. When you go after riches and wealth and your eyes are focused on it, you are going to hold to it and it is going to hold you to it. And when you're hold to it and beholden to it, Jesus then is going to be left behind. That's serious. Is that what we want, really, as a church, as believers? We're going to adhere to, we're going to be devoted. We're going to be devoted I want you to know that the converse can be true. You can hold to Jesus. Amen? You can be devoted to Jesus and hate the money. But you can't do the two. You will hold to one and despise Cataphroneo. To feel contempt for someone, something, because it is thought to be bad or without value. You're going to hold to one and despise. Because sees one as contemptuous or contemptible. What am I saying? Be careful what you're holding on to, pursuing, looking at. Worshipping, that becomes an idol and you cannot hold the idol and hold Jesus. It doesn't work. Therefore, the logical conclusion is that if you are serving, a word again, Do lay in. If you are serving God, but treasuring and looking intently at riches, mammon, wealth, with a strongly strong negative connotation, then you are fooling yourself and is living in great darkness. Because what? And here's a catch. One cannot serve two masters, Jesus is saying. God and the God of money. So when you see mammon in this text, really, is an Aramaic a reference to the Syrophoenician, the Syrian God of riches. 
there, mammon here is a personification. When, so when Jesus says you cannot serve God and money, he's really saying you cannot serve God and the God of money. That's idolatry. You get it? So that's the twist. When we are pursuing wealth, when our eyes are focused on, on, on that which is not Christ, when we are in a place that is not of God, we are disdaining our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? And that is deleterious. It's dangerous. It hurts you. Again, you cannot serve God and serve the God of money. You're going to hate one. So, I say like what Joshua said to the Israelites. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. If God be God, serve him. But if, and if Baal be God, serve him. You can't do the two. And Jesus will tell you, God, Jesus tells us, he that is not with me is against me. You can't be with me and with some other, you know, and you know what, you know what God calls that? Adultery. You cannot have two people, two significant others. One is going to be less significant. Here the question. What is significant in your life? Who have we chosen to serve? Is it God? Or the God of money? If we are rich, have our riches become our God? Hence, relegating God to the back burner. If we are poor, is our, are our aspiration for riches taking us away from a commitment to Christ? That too is sending us down the wrong path. It's dangerous. I want to encourage us today to realize the kind of culture that we live in. It's one that is chasing the almighty dollar. Materialism is king. But I say to you, you cannot join the culture and be Christ-like. We have to be counterculture. Deciding that we are going to choose not to hoard, to overvalue material goods in this life, but choose to, to, to lay up, to treasure treasures in heaven by surrendering our hearts to Jesus and embracing salvation as the treasure. We must choose to steady our eyes on the main goal of life, which is Christ himself in communion. And finally, we must choose whose slave 
we will become. Would it be Mammon, the Syrian god of money? Or would it be Jesus, our brother, savior, friend? Amen.